Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello, and welcome to today's meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California. I am Frank Price, Vice President of the Northern California Peace Corps Association and Vice Chair of the club's International Relations Member-Led Forum. I have a couple of housekeeping announcements before I introduce my guests for today's program, the new Peace Corps and interview with the CEO. Uh, For members of the Commonwealth Club, this program is free. However, we would be delighted if you would like to go to the CommonwealthClub.org to donate. Special thanks to those of you who have already donated. We are the nation's oldest and largest public affairs forum. And as a nonprofit that generates revenue through events, you can imagine how much we appreciate your donation during these difficult times. To learn more about upcoming live stream programs, we invite you to check our website for a complete listing. For today's program, we are accepting questions for our speakers through chat on YouTube. There is a chat window on the right side of the window. Now, it is my pleasure to introduce our distinguished guests, Glenn Bloomhorst, CEO and President of the National Peace Corps Association, and Carol Spahn, the current CEO of the Peace Corps. Uh, Glenn, I'm going to turn it over to you for your opening remarks. Thank you so very much, uh, Frank, and good evening, everyone. It's just such a pleasure to be here at the Commonwealth Club, uh, a place that's played such a pivotal role in our national conversation for more than a century. Uh, I'd like to thank the the folks at the Commonwealth Club for hosting us this evening, and thank you, Frank, for organizing and and, and uh, mediating, I guess, this event tonight. And thank you so much just for all the work that you do for the Peace Corps community, Frank. Um, Sergeant Travers spoke here in 1963 as uh, this whole audacious Peace Corps project had just gotten off the ground. And it's been 60 years uh, that uh, Peace Corps has served as such a vibrant institution for uh, American volunteerism in the country. And as we uh, wrap up this commemoration of the 60th anniversary of the Peace Corps, uh, we're mindful of uh, the fact that there are no volunteers in the field at the moment. It's been nearly two years now almost that uh, no volunteers have been in the field since the evacuation in March of 2020. And on on the one hand, I think this stands as a testament to the strength of the institution itself of the Peace Corps, uh, the support of the U.S. government, the White House and the Congress for the Peace Corps, and the desire of Americans to have the opportunity to serve their country internationally through the Peace Corps service. And on the other hand, you know, we're anxious to see volunteers return to service again. And we know that this time of hiatus for the Peace Corps has been one that has served to help retool and reshape uh, the Peace Corps for the future. So we're looking forward to hearing more from uh, uh, Acting Director Carol Spahn on, on, on that message. You know, it was about a year ago today, I think almost, that we rolled out a report here in the Commonwealth Club um, called Peace Corps Connect to the Future, which was a roadmap essentially for the Peace Corps and the greater Peace Corps community and the future beyond this pandemic. Um, That was a product of a series of town halls and a summit that were hosted by National Peace Corps Association, which is essentially the alumni network of the more than 240,000 individuals that have served in the Peace Corps to capture the collective voice of our community and and to channel that voice to the Peace Corps leadership and to Congress on what our expectations were and what our hopes were for the future of the Peace Corps. And as we did so, uh, we worked closely and collaboratively with Peace Corps and its leadership to ensure that these improvements, these reforms, and and things that needed to change are made before volunteers return to service. 
And I know we're going to hear more from Carol about what's been going on uh, during that time. And I'm really, really pleased to know that uh, many advances have been made on, on these fronts as well. We've worked also with, with Congress. Uh, Congressman John Garamendi's office uh, to advance the Peace Corps Reauthorization Act as well. Um, this is a very important piece of legislation uh, that has now cleared the House Foreign Affairs Committee. It uh, would bring about some really critical reforms uh, to better protect volunteers and put Peace Corps on the path toward a budget to bolster the number of volunteers around the world over the next few years. And you know what I'd like to say is that this reflects in many ways the vision of the broader Peace Corps community and where we'd like to see Peace Corps go for the future. I'd like to also just underscore what I've heard Carol say here many times in our conversations. We're all on the same team. We all, uh, Peace Corps leadership, NPCA, RPCDs, future volunteers, our host country partners and others, we all want the Peace Corps to be the best that it can be. And we are all share that objective. So I'm really grateful for the leadership that, that Carol and her team have provided over at Peace Corps. Uh, we support them. We stand behind them. We're going to continue to advocate to Peace Corps leadership on behalf of volunteers and returned volunteers and future volunteers for the changes that we expect to see. And as necessary, we'll advocate to Congress for legislation and for accountability. And uh, really, this community of more than a quarter million individuals who share this experience and have served since 1961 is really looking forward to the launch, the relaunch of the Peace Corps as we continue to champion a lifelong commitment to Peace Corps ideals. So very pleased to be a part of this conversation tonight, Frank. I'm, I'm very grateful that, that you've chosen this topic uh, for our event tonight. And I'm um, looking forward to hearing from Carol as well, uh, updates from the Peace Corps. I know there are some really important things that are, that are happening and recently developed uh, as well. Uh, and, and really just want to say to her, I commend her for the work that she's doing at the Peace Corps and the work that our community is doing on behalf of the Peace Corps and for the Peace Corps community to help make it the best experience possible for volunteers of the future. So with that, Frank, thank you so much again for the opportunity to be here with you. I know we'll have some questions later. I'm happy to, to participate in that question and answers. Thank you very much, Glenn. Now I turn it over to our new CEO, Carol Spong. Apologies, I was muted. Of course, we have to start that way in a Zoom call. Um, thank you very much for the, the warm welcome, um, Frank and Glenn. It is such an honor to be speaking in front of the California Club, um, the Commonwealth Club of California this evening. Also really want to thank the Northern California Peace Corps Association for its board and its members, really ardent support of the Peace Corps and for your energetic advocacy efforts. Glenn, thank you for your kind words and for all the support of the NPCA all of the advocacy work that you do and the support of the returned volunteer community. Uh, we really appreciate all of the interest and in the status of the agency and especially during these unprecedented times. And for those of you who are returned Peace Corps volunteers, thank you from the bottom of my heart from your service. Once a volunteer, you are always a volunteer and, and we see that engagement continue well beyond service. Um, in inviting me to speak for this event, Frank said, and I'll quote him, for many of us, we have never known a time when the Peace Corps has not had volunteers in the field. This is a most unusual time. And I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm not sure how any of us can, can describe this time where we're all being tested in ways that we couldn't have imagined. Um, but it really has been the privilege of a lifetime for me 
to steer the ship, so to speak, as we push forward, as we brace for the swells, as we navigate toward the future. Um, so tonight I've been asked to share what we've been up to in our 60th year as an agency, which I'm very pleased to do, and to provide some updates around the bold direction we're headed in for the next 60 years of Peace Corps. Um, let me start today with yesterday, which was World AIDS Day, a designated day for us to honor those who we've lost to AIDS and to recommit to supporting people living with HIV in order to end the epidemic. We hosted a powerful event on this topic yesterday. I hope some of you were able to attend. I imagine many of you have witnessed the AIDS epidemic unfold in its entirety, just as I have. And yesterday was a true celebration of all that's been accomplished as a global community of scientists, public health experts, governments, advocates, village health committees, caregivers, and more over the last 40 years. And now 20 countries, 20 countries have reached epidemic control. One of them is especially near and dear to my heart, Malawi, where I served as a country director for five years. And I think about the real importance of volunteers' contributions at the last mile. And thinking about that in the context of HIV and AIDS and how far we've come on this issue was really inspiring, especially as we inch closer to returning volunteers to the field to tackle yet another global health issue, the global COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so, so stepping back a bit, um, we're all aware that in March of 2020, all of the Peace Corps volunteers were evacuated due to the global pandemic. First time in the agency's history, I was at headquarters when that happened. We returned 7,000 volunteers in eight days with borders closing, flights being canceled. It was truly an amazing thing to witness and also to witness how RPCVs really stepped up to support these evacuated volunteers in areas where we as a government agency couldn't. And that outpouring of support really solidified the concept of the Peace Corps family. So since that time, we have been carefully planning and monitoring the specific situations in 64 countries around the globe as we plan to return the volunteers overseas. So we have been navigating the ebbs and flows of new variants, of vaccination rollouts, of border closures. This has really tested us and tested evacuated volunteers who eagerly awaited the day they could return to the host countries they called home 19 months ago. I don't think any of us imagined we would be here almost two years later. I can say when we evacuated, we thought we would have volunteers back in the field three or four months you know, from that time. So during this time, we've learned a great deal about the virus and about the immense needs. We all know that COVID-19 has disproportionately impacted the countries we serve. We have monitored all of those country-specific conditions according to comprehensive criteria around health, safety, logistical, and administrative indicators. Um, this is everything from how the local health system has managed um, past waves of the virus, um, what has happened, have there been lockdowns, would we still have access into and out of those countries, what are the COVID-19 protocols in that country, how can we um, reimagine our programming to, so that volunteers can serve in a way that is safe. 
Um, so just as school systems and, and other systems here in the United States have re-engineered how they do business, we have done this um, in every country around the world. So there is a set of initial criteria that countries have to meet um, in order to be cleared for initial um, return to service. And to date, we have eight countries who have met those criteria and we have begun issuing invitations. So we are very excited. Um, we do expect some volunteers to begin service in early 22. We are actively monitoring this new variant uh, to see how that impacts uh, countries, but we do have 18 months of data on how those countries have been able to manage. And um, we have multiple backup systems and safety protocols in place. So we do anticipate that more countries will be approved for reentry soon, and we will continue to proceed with the necessary caution, pragmatism, and flexibility that this moment requires. Um, I will also note that we do expect that all volunteers will participate in COVID-19 response and recovery efforts overseas. It has impacted each and every country we serve. So regardless of sector, every volunteer will be involved in mobilizing for vaccination response, overcoming vaccine hesitancy, um, recovering educational gains that were lost, and so on. Each country's contribution will be different depending on the needs there, but we are very um, inspired to get out and be part of the solution as we recover from the isolation uh, and the impact of COVID-19. So in the meantime, um, we are continuing our virtual service pilot, which is um, a very exciting new uh, entrance, a new um, service modality for the Peace Corps. We're in our fourth, fourth phase of this pilot. And to date, we've connected more than 230 participants in the United States with communities in 28 countries. And we've been able to demonstrate the impact that service can have even through digital platforms and across time zones. So we have returned volunteers who served in the 1960s all the way through the 2020s who have donated five to 15 hours per week to accomplish specific locally prioritized projects that were designed by our host country partners. So these projects really are a solid representation of how the Peace Corps has built on a strong foundation to emerge from the pandemic in really both new and time-tested ways. And it's been so impressive to really stretch ourselves and open up this new opportunity for service. Um, our hope is that this virtual service program will grow over time and ultimately become a service model we can offer not only to return volunteers, but also to others who want to serve but are unable to, to serve overseas through our traditional two-year or response programs. Um, this model has the potential to reduce barriers to service for all Americans and helps us to achieve our goal to create a volunteer core that truly reflects the diversity of America. So like I said, the fourth phase of this pilot is kicking off soon. So this is a great option for some of you who may want to get involved. We encourage you to look out for that and uh, join us in this new, in this new um, mode of service. 
I also wanted to let you all know that earlier today, we premiered a documentary featuring the work of volunteers during our second ever domestic deployment. So in May, over 150 response volunteers who previously served at 52 posts were sworn in to serve here in the United States and took part in the whole of government effort to support the COVID-19 response and recovery efforts here at home. During their three-month service, those volunteers served in seven states and conducted community outreach and supported vaccination distribution among underserved population. We did have volunteers on the West Coast serving in Oregon, but none in, none in California. Um, but the documentary is terrific. It really brings that partnership with FEMA to life and highlights how the language and interpersonal skills that volunteers honed in their service overseas enabled them to connect on a personal level with those they encountered. I really encourage you all to watch that documentary when you get an opportunity. Um, I also wanted to mention briefly the considerable work we've been doing to strengthen our systems so that we have an improved Peace Corps experience for all, whether that be for community members, counterparts, partners, staff, or volunteers. So embedded in our commitment to continually improve the Peace Corps experience is our pledge to more regularly communicate with our many vested stakeholders in a spirit of transparency and accountability. So that being said, if you are not already, I also encourage you to follow Peace Corps on social media and subscribe to our agency email newsletter, which we just rolled out several months ago. It's called Inside Peace Corps. And it's there that we provide regular updates around our initiatives and priorities. And you can find all of this information on our website. As part of our system strengthening work, we have really spent a lot of time redoubling our commitment to equity. As returned volunteers, um, many people will be familiar with uh, the, the acronym ICDE and I. It's our intercultural competence, diversity, equity, inclusion, and now we have added accessibility. Um, this is really part of who Peace Corps is and what we do. We emphasize the importance of intercultural competence as the crux of our grassroots development model. And through that work, volunteers and staff can appropriately engage in new cultures in a way that honors difference and fosters mutual respect and collaboration. And we are doing a, a lot of work in this area and actively evaluating our structures, programs, and policies to ensure that our workplace, our volunteer systems, and our organ organizational culture really reflect this commitment. We've made great strides and really value the input from the MPCA Connect to the Future report, from returned volunteers who wrote into us, and other interested parties as we continue to push forward to address inequity and to chart a bold path for the future. Um, we will be rolling out our fiscal year 2022 to 2026 strategic plan shortly, and you will see these values um, really codified in that plan. Um, that plan will be released for public comment very soon and really do look forward to feedback on that. Finally, I want to provide an update. Um, we've spent a lot of time really digging into our health and safety systems during this time to lay the foundation for when volunteers go back to the service. So including in these efforts are new systems to better track crimes and support volunteer victims of crimes, to provide expanded mental health services and resources, understanding that the pandemic has been a particularly challenging time for everyone, 
and an aggressive all of agency effort to close recommendations and create a roadmap to continue to improve our sexual assault risk reduction and response program. So we are so very grateful to return volunteers who have come forward courageously to share their stories and really want to thank the community for engaging with us in a spirit of continual growth and improvement. So there are so many things to, to talk about, um, but I will, I will stop there with a, a quote uh, from, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not do this, this name justice, from Machone Luiwe, which was a Zimbabwean-born and Canadian-based philosopher. And he wrote, the storm only comes to teach you how to skillfully sail your ship. The storm only comes to teach you how to skillfully sail your ship. Um, I don't have to tell anyone that these are really unprecedented times. And it has been such an honor to see how the Peace Corps community has really stepped up to meet this moment. And I'll just leave you with a few uh, stories from what's been happening at our post. Our teams in Madagascar have been working with the Ministry of Health to vaccinate the villages around the training hub so that when volunteers come back fully vaccinated, uh, they are surrounded by a community that has supported Peace Corps for decades. And the team has gone out to make sure that those family members are safe as well. Our team at headquarters in our Office of Staff Learning and Development have trained over 800 staff around the world in how to develop blended learning courses. Those, so these are, are hybrid trainings. And the staff around the world really picked this up. And our team in North Macedonia is now offering training to all public school teachers in the country. And we have our virtual service countries and participants we have teams in Paraguay who are supporting ecotourism in a place that we could never reach before because it was too remote from the Peace Corps office. So these are some of the pioneering new ways that we are engaging. Peace Corps has taught all who have been involved how to be resilient and flexible and innovative. And this moment is really bringing out the best of who we are and what we stand for. So with that, Frank, I will close out and, and turn it back to you. Thank you very much, Carol. That was just a comprehensive report. I really enjoyed it. Now for a question for Glenn. Uh, how does NPCA work with the Peace Corps? What is NPCA's role? Thank you, Frank. And let me just first say congratulations to Carol and the leadership team over at the Peace Corps. You've done a fabulous job uh, steering the ship, if you will, through, through uh, turbulent waters and and in this time of challenge and unpredictability. And uh, I just think that you know our community should take our hat off to you and commend you for the great work that you're doing there. I really appreciate the anecdotes about what's going on on the ground and, and the work that our teams on the ground there are doing. I think that's so important to know. Um, there's a lot of work that's going to be, uh, has taken place and will take place before volunteers uh, can return back to the field. And you shared some really important, uh, I think, uh, updates on, on, on what the field teams have been doing and what headquarters has been doing to help uh, ensure the safety and security of volunteers when they return. So thank you. Thank you for looking out for the agency and thank you for the great work uh, that you're doing in that regard. Really appreciate um, that, Glenn. Sure. 
Uh, Frank, back to your question, uh, how does NPCA work with the Peace Corps and what is our role? Um, Well, just to to clarify, of course, uh, the Peace Corps is a federal agency funded by appropriations from Congress to uh, first and foremost uh, recruit and place volunteers in in, in service around the world in the countries where they serve. And their primary role is to to provide that support to volunteers so that they have a a meaningful and successful two-year experience. Um, after their Peace Corps experience uh, and their return home, uh, National Peace Corps Association is really engaged in helping uh, return to volunteers through that transition uh, back to their their, um, their home of record from their Peace Corps service and essentially uh, helping bridge from that service to what is a lifetime of continued service um, after their Peace Corps service. So. Uh, Money, think of us kind of as an alumni network of all those who have served in the Peace Corps. Uh, We we really are much broader than that. We're certainly returned Peace Corps volunteers and and throughout their lifetime of of continued service. We we support and and provide services to our returned Peace Corps volunteer community. And we organize and and help uh, uh, develop uh, work of our affiliate groups. We now have 180 uh, affiliate groups around the country. but, you know, our, our community extends well beyond return volunteers. It includes uh, the host country nationals and the partners who have played a part in the Peace Corps experience. It includes former staff uh, who served in the Peace Corps as well. And it includes uh, many family and friends who are part of this greater family that we call the Peace Corps family and who are there to support return volunteers and, and really uh, help in their transitions beyond the Peace Corps. So. Our role in in that, in the sense of of how we work with Peace Corps, is to really support that uh, life after the Peace Corps experience uh, that the agency does so so well in in providing for them. We are also uh, primarily responsible, and we say our first goal is the Peace Corps' third goal. Um, That third goal of the Peace Corps is about bringing the world home, bringing our experience home, bringing our friendships home, and, and sharing that with our communities here in the United States as we help uh, build bridges of understanding and friendship uh, for around the world. And I can personally attest to, to how that happens because uh, 40 years, 30 years, excuse me, 30 years now later after my own Peace Corps experience, I'm in regular contact with friends back in Guatemala where I served in 1988-91. I'm regularly in contact with a number of friends uh, that were little kids back then um, hanging around my house or coming over to to you know, to draw and, and paint uh, on the table with us, or uh, folks that we work side by side with planting trees and 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 uh, you know, building latrines and the like. So, you know, those friendships last a lifetime, and those friendships are so valuable to the fabric that connects our two communities and our countries, Guatemala and 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 America. In my case, and you know, that's really what what I think our work is all about: is continuing to build that fabric of the return Peace Corps volunteer and the greater. Peace Corps community, because uh, right now we, we need this kind of intercultural, international understanding to help bridge the divides here in our own country, help create better understanding of other countries and other cultures and other peoples uh, on the part of the Americans. And and I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great um, personification of our service to bring the world home and share it here um, as we advance the third goal of the Peace Corps. We, we do, uh, I should say, uh, not only work with RPCVs in, um, you know, in, in their life after Peace Corps and their, their continuation of service and advancing the third goal. We, we also work uh, in support of the Peace Corps through our advocacy to Congress. Uh, we, we mobilize our community to advocate 
to Congress uh, on behalf of the Peace Corps uh, for the funding of the Peace Corps, for the legislation that brings about uh, these policies and, and reforms uh, that, that we see. Uh, so uh, getting our Peace Corps community involved in uh, advocacy for the Peace Corps is a very important part of our role on behalf of the Peace Corps and on behalf of the volunteers themselves and returned Peace Corps volunteers. And then, you know, I mentioned the, 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 the fact that we work with 180 affiliate groups and with our Peace Corps, returned Peace Corps volunteers uh, it's really about helping amplify the global impact that we can have well beyond our service. And so uh, as Peace Corps does, you've heard Carol speak to, to the importance of engaging the return Peace Corps volunteer community. We also work in, in jointly with the Peace Corps to uh, continue to support and engage the return Peace Corps volunteer community on issues that are so important to us, um, such as climate change or refugee support. Uh, you know, many RPCVs right now are working on refugee resettlement around the country through the affiliate group network that we have. Many of them are working on COVID response. And they're going to get that training for doing that work and the empathy for the people that they're serving from their Peace Corps experience. And so bringing that home and sharing those values as well here in the United States is part of what we do. So it's it's a partnership of sorts, if you will, between the, the Peace Corps Agency and the National Peace Corps Association. Thank you very much, Glenn. You brought back a lot of thoughts and memories. Uh, Carol, what opportunities and challenges do you anticipate with the return of volunteers? Well, that is a, a very big question, but let me first uh, once again thank National Peace Corps Association and all of the RPCV networks for all that you do to support the mission and to bring the world back home. I want to echo um, what Glenn said there about the importance of the skills and attitudes and connectedness that is so important about um Peace Corps and, and volunteers in that lifetime of, of engagement. Um, so, wow, opportunities and challenges. Uh, let me let me start with the challenges. Um, COVID, <laughs> COVID, and COVID. Um, we are operating in sixty four different country contexts, and each country has its own situation. And continuing to stay on top of and monitor the situation in every country um, is. A big challenge and the the safety of our volunteers is of paramount importance and we want to make sure that as the ground is is evolving um and as the pandemic goes on the more we learn the more we anticipate and um you know that will continue to be an issue that we are uh, working through until covid is no more and none of us know when that will be um, but we are ready to, to get back in. We've got the, the tools through the vaccinations and, and the boosters. Um, one of the biggest challenges has been mitigating around medical evacuation options. Um, we previously had three medical evacuation hubs, some of which have been in countries that are locked down and have remained locked down throughout the pandemic. So we've done a lot of work to establish backup hubs, alternate medical evacuation options. We've worked very closely um, with our, our medical evacuation provider to understand. I, I think I know more about um, medical evacuation and plane routes and how all of that works than I, I ever thought I would. But that is of critical importance that if we have volunteers, you know, out there, I'm, you know, if, if they 
get COVID. Um, I, I think there are lots of options for, for treatment and care. Um, but if, if someone, you know, has a, an accident and we need to get them out quickly, we need to be able to, to do that, whether that country is, um, you know, experiencing a COVID wave or not. So we have done some tremendous work around that. We have hubs and backup hubs and, and alternate locations in place for those countries that we have cleared for service. Um, so that's that's been a big challenge, but one that, that we're ready to move forward on. Um, in terms of opportunity, I just can't imagine a time when Peace Corps um, was, was needed less, right? This is such... Um, a fascinating time in history, an unprecedented time in history when countries have been locked down and closed off um, and when there's a real risk that that could become the way that we continue. And the global connectedness of Peace Corps um, is, is really so critical at this time to ensure that the, the divisiveness does not remain the status quo. Um, from a programmatic perspective, our volunteers and staff are really positioned to contribute to the COVID-19 response and recovery where it's needed most. Volunteers are out there in underserved communities at the last mile. And we've seen that contribution in even going back to the 70s with smallpox. Volunteers were asked to support some of the smallpox vaccination efforts climbing through the mountains of, of Ethiopia and going out into villages in remote areas of Afghanistan. And these things are, are not over until those, those last communities have been served. Um, so I just see tremendous opportunity, tremendous need. Um, our host countries are asking for volunteers back. I've had visits from Many ambassadors asking when um, when we will be able to get volunteers back, ambassadors from Namibia and Sierra Leone and Rwanda and Kyrgyz Republic, as well as new countries that are asking for Peace Corps to, to come in. Um, so that has been just very encouraging to see and to hear directly from the host countries. Um, and, and to learn what it means for them to have a volunteer living and, and working amongst the people um, you know, of that country, volunteers who learn the language, volunteers who integrate you know, both the, the symbolic presence of Peace Corps as well as the real impact of Peace Corps um, is, is really appreciated and supported. So I just see boundless opportunities and uh, a real need for Peace Corps to get back out there. Thank you very much. Carol, I have a question for you about the future. Um, many have expressed concern about in, intercultural competence, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, the ICDEIA. That's mm -hmm. a mouthful. Um, can, you, can you elaborate on that? And then, Glenn, I like when she's finished, I'd like you to, uh, from your engagement with RPCVs, what would you say one of the biggest topics uh, – RPCVs would like to see the agency address. Thank you for that. Um, as I mentioned in my remarks, really this is at the core of who we are and what we're about. We are about coming together across difference, about celebrating the uniqueness of, of different cultures, about honoring the contributions of every individual. 
And that is something that is such a part of who Peace Court is. Um, but we also recognize that there is a need for us to do more and to step up in new ways and to make sure that we are reflecting that in all that we do. Um, as I mentioned, we have some um, really exciting and aggressive goals in our strategic plan that we'll be rolling out soon. But just as a, a, a teaser for some of the things that we've done, um, we have had for the last five years a chief diversity officer uh, that team has worked with over 80% of our posts that have undergone a an all-staff five-day ICDEIA foundations course. Um, we would be at 100% if not for, for the pandemic, and this is an important uh, foundational course that, that we really prefer to do in person because it involves some, some deep analysis and, and deep um, understanding of difference in, in how we uh, bridge, right? Peace Corps talks about the, the self-other bridge, understanding ourselves, understanding others, and then being able to bridge across that difference. So we've invested significantly in the training of our overseas staff. Um, we are building out the office of the chief diversity officer, um, previously, it was one person with some staff that were providing this training. We will now have a team of six in that office that are focused on both our headquarters and our overseas operations, as well as uh, training functions. So um, I think that will help us to solidify the structures and the systems within Peace Corps. Um, we just established a new employee resource group, um, Indigenous Rising. We're very excited about that. Um, we are reviewing all of our policies and our language to make sure that we are representing ourselves in our work um, in a way that reflects, truly reflects those values. And the way that we're conducting business um, really reflects that as well. We've started to offer translations in six different languages in our internal town halls to make sure that participation um, for all of our staff is, is equitable. Um, we have an ethical storytelling toolkit that we are developing to equip return volunteers with the best tools to tell their stories in an equitable and effective manner. Um, we are launching um, a, a paid internship program uh, that we hope will help um, boost diversity of our staff. And we've also completed a barrier analysis. So really looking at our internal staffing structures to look at what are the barriers for participation and what are the root causes of that. And we've developed an action plan to address those. Um, there, there are so many other things I, I can talk about. We have a new agency equity council at Peace Corps, and that is looking even beyond staffing, beyond policies and procedures to things like procurement and how are we procuring services for Peace Corps and making sure that we have an equity lens on, on all of that. So lots of great work that is underway um, at, a, at a very deep systems level. Um, we are also working on those plans for how to meet volunteers where they are, how to celebrate the diversity of our volunteer corps, and how to look honestly at unconscious bias. Um, our entire staff have taken unconscious bias training. 
We have um, input unconscious bias into our staging curriculum, and we have built out these competencies in our training model. So there is a a new training model. um, It's a volunteer competency model, and volunteers will be developing these skills very intentionally throughout their pre-service training and will be evaluated as well on their growth and development in these areas. So a lot of work across a lot of different parts of the agency. And I really would like to express my sincere appreciation to all of the feedback and suggestions that we've received from our return volunteer community on this topic. It is critically important. Um, It is critically important that we address in a very thoughtful and inclusive way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have a question related to what you've said. Um, what qualities do you look for when recruiting volunteers now? Has it changed from the past? That's a great question. Um, that process is being um, updated as we speak. And we've always looked for people who have an openness um, to learning, who have engaged in cross-cultural settings and, um, you know, now we are going back to those, those interview processes and, and how we look at those skills, because it's not expected that you come into Peace Corps with every skill that you need to serve. Um, we expect that you come into Peace Corps with an openness and with a willingness to learn and grow on that journey with us. So those are the, the kinds of things that, that we look for. And yes, we are reevaluating that right now. The world has, has changed and we want to make sure that, that we are bringing people in who have a sense of humility and just a real um, openness to that, that humble service. Thank you. Glenn, uh, from, it's a long list of priorities that she, she went through, but how does that match up with uh, the NPCA Connect to the Future report? Well, uh, Frank, it's, it's uh, clear that uh, Carol has read our report, the Peace Corps Connect to the Future. I know she has. She refers to it a number of times in our conversations, and uh, I know that um, you know, the work that the Peace Corps done and, uh, has done, and which we've heard about here tonight, goes well beyond even many of the recommendations and, and ideas that are in that report. Uh, I, I just think the Peace Corps leadership needs to be commended for the great work that they're doing on this front in particular. Our expectation, uh, as voiced by our community and reflected in the report uh, from the summit, was that the Peace Corps community must be a leader in addressing systemic racism. And, you know, that that captures a pretty broad mission, but it it speaks highly, I think, of the work that the agency is doing right now in being a leader in the federal system for addressing systemic racism and looking inward as it makes improvements in the way that it recruits volunteers, in the way that it places volunteers, um, in, the, in the way that it uh, provides greater opportunity for volunteers of color to serve in the Peace Corps and provides the support and training and uh, you know that, that, that volunteers of color uh, deserve and return Peace Corps volunteers as well. So. It's really, you know, also dealing with issues such as the perception of white saviorism and, and neocolonialism and, and uh, assuring that volunteers go as partners and not as saviors. And I think all of this, this work that Peace Corps has been doing now is really going to be bringing about a dramatic change in the way the Peace Corps 
volunteers uh, experience their service and in how we work hand in hand and in partnership with the, the communities that we serve in abroad. And bringing that back home as well, I think is very valuable skills uh, for the work that we continue to do here at home. Um, many volunteers have talked about climate change. Carol, how will Peace Corps and future volunteers work to address climate change? Another great question um, and very important issue. Climate change is an area that the agency has done quite a bit of, of work around, um, primarily through some of our environmental and, and agricultural programs. Um, but as we have um, done with COVID-19, we believe there's an opportunity for all volunteers to contribute uh, to climate change through secondary projects. So even if you are a teacher, you can be teaching about climate change um, you know, as you are teaching English or science or, or any number of, of topics. Um, so this is an area that we will be expanding as we get volunteers back out. Um, I was really honored in, in Malawi to have a robust climate change um, program there in a country that was 80 percent uh, reliant on uh, subsistence agriculture, where 8 percent of the country had access to electricity. And many people were burning firewood for for fuel, for cooking. Um, and there was just so much work to do because deforestation there was such a major issue. And I saw some volunteers who um, really, really leveraged their communities. And one volunteer in his community alone planted over 40,000 trees. Um, this is not just about planting trees. You know, there, there's so much more um, that, that climate change brings. But in, in that country in, in particular, I heard someone um, who had been with USAID 20 years earlier and they came back with USAID and they said, what's different? They said, as we flew over, there weren't any trees. The, the tree cover was just gone. And it was so striking in just a period of, of 20 years. So there is not time to waste right now. And Peace Corps will be stepping up as we get back out into the field to support climate change efforts. Thank you. Um Another question about the, the Peace Corps goals. Will the three goals of Peace Corps change or will they remain the same? So the, the goals of the Peace Corps are in the Peace Corps Act. Um, so they are codified in the Peace Corps Act and they have you know, remained strong for the last 60 years. Um, I, I really do encourage folks to support the Peace Corps Reauthorization Act which provides a few important um, and substantial wording changes around those, those three goals. And the one that, that really jumps out at me is the, the first uh, goal, which starts with to, to help interested countries. And in the um, Reauthorization Act, uh, there is a proposal to change that to partner with interested countries. And it's a small change, but it's an important one. And it, it reflects some of the, the issues that, um, you know, Glenn was, was talking about around saviorism and how we partner with countries and how we go in at the invitation of countries and we work together with host communities. 
Thank you. Um, there was the uh, the SARRR, the Sexual Assault Risk Reduction and Response Report. Can you briefly explain what the recommendations are that were uh, outlined in this report? Sure. Well, well first, let me um, thank both the, the SAC members. So the SAC is our Sexual Assault Advisory Council. This is a group of experts in the field of sexual assault. Uh, they come together annually to review different aspects of the Peace Corps program and to provide updates based on best practices in the field. Um, this is a field that is really advancing and, and moving forward, both as a result of the, the Me Too movement, uh, as well as a result of, of people really coming forward and um, I, I want to commend those volunteers as well who have come forward and, and shared their stories. Um, sexual assault is pervasive. It's pervasive here in the United States. It's pervasive overseas. It's not okay. And Peace Corps is committed to doing as much as we possibly can to both shift attitudes um, here and overseas to prevent sexual assault uh, where we can, and to provide compassionate, victim-centered, trauma-informed uh, responses and support for those volunteers who do experience sexual assault. Um, so our sexual assault committee released a report in November. Um, we asked them, I specifically asked them to go back um, over the last five years, look at where we've made progress look at what the state of affairs is, um, where best practices have evolved, and to come up with uh, some clear action items and uh, timelines for us, for our consideration, um, as we really look to develop a roadmap for the next 10 years of our sexual assault response. Um, so Peace Corps developed a, a sexual assault risk uh, mitigation team 10 years ago, and every year since then has been implementing updates, new systems, new protocols. Um, I, I will say when when I was a volunteer, um, certainly had very, some very unpleasant experiences, and there really weren't systems in place at that time. As a country director, I worked with many volunteers um, who had um, some, some very difficult situations. And I really saw how the agency continued to improve year after year, um, you know, in, in that response. Um, so the, the Sexual Assault Advisory Committee report that came out um, provides some recommendations that fall in four categories. So one is supporting a culture shift Second is strengthening prevention. The third is ensuring trauma-informed programming and approaches. And the fourth is about strengthening accountability. And this is not to say that Peace Corps doesn't already have a lot of established activities in these areas. We do. Um, but the recommendations really point to um, new evolving practices and insights um, from experts in the field related to sexual assault. So we are now in a process of conducting a comprehensive review of the report and establishing a roadmap uh, for the next two years. Um, we will be sharing that roadmap in early 2022. And just uh, today, we 
put out a call for public comment and for for people to provide input uh, for our consideration. We know there are um, many uh, returned volunteers and others who have had experiences with, with sexual assault and, and we'd love to hear from them. Um, so ask that those folks um, do check out on our website and, and look at social media where there will be some links uh, where people can provide input. Okay, thank you. Um, does the unconscious training bias include attitudes towards older volunteers? Well, the, the unconscious bias training is actually more general than that. So it's about recognizing that when you come into any situation, you have inherent biases. And so it can apply to any number of, of different kinds of difference. And I, I can, can hear maybe behind that, that question is, is someone who experienced uh, some of that as an, as an older volunteer. And, you know, we'd love to hear from you with, you know, any thoughts or ideas that, that you have. Um, it is a, certainly a very different experience uh, when you're volunteering uh, at, at different times in your life. And it's our hope that by introducing unconscious bias training and being very intentional about how we engage with each other as individuals, that we can build that skill set and people can recognize those biases across any number of differences. Thank you. Looks like we have time for just one more question for both of you. Uh, we'll start with Glenn first. How can RPCVs and the general public support the Peace Corps? Well, Frank, um, and again, thanks again before we wrap up here for the opportunity to be with you this evening. Uh, th thanks to Carol for being with us. I know she has a busy schedule as well. But, um, you know, the, the most important thing that our community, the, the, the general public, if you will, as well, can do on behalf of the Peace Corps is to advocate for its future and to ensure that it has adequate funding. Uh, you know, these reforms and improvements and the work that the Peace Corps is doing on the ground right now, they come with a price tag. You know, they, they are really about investing more heavily in the safety and security of volunteers and in the programming that, that Peace Corps is undertaking on the ground. Um, you know, there's there's also in the legislation that we're seeking to have uh, move through the Senate now in the House is uh, there are provisions that have costs as well associated with them, uh, benefits, return Peace Corps volunteers, and uh, the, the health and medical services for volunteers as well. So um, you know, it's really important that this legislation be advanced uh, first and foremost, and and Peace Corps funding uh, be not only insured but hopefully increased uh, over the next years. And there is a opportunity right now for us to see um, the Congress approve a bit higher funding level for the Peace Corps for FY22. It's uh, uh, been passed in the House as a as a four hundred thirty million dollar recommendation for the funding, up over the four hundred ten million dollar current funding for the Peace Corps. Uh, Senate has uh, come out with a flat level funding for the Peace Corps, but this is where you know the the, the system works. Uh, American democracy. We need to call our members of Congress and tell them about our Peace Corps experience and tell them about the value of that experience uh, in the countries where we served and here at home, and how it impacted us and how it has contributed to our lifetime of of bringing about domestic dividend here and good for the United States as well as the world. And, and share with them how important it is that others have the opportunity to serve, uh, as we did. And uh, there's more than enough applicants for the Peace Corps, I think. Uh, we've always seen an abundance of applicants, many good qualified candidates turned away. So let's make sure Peace Corps has its funding for the future, 
for these reforms and improvements and, and for the great work that it has ahead of it, because uh, it's very important for us as a constituent of, of our, our members of Congress and as a family of Peace Corps members to do our part to take care of the family. Thank you, Glenn, very much. Uh, Carol? Yeah, I, I think um, help us get out there and, and tell the story of, of Peace Corps, and particularly in, in underserved and underrepresented communities who may not hear about Peace Corps, who may not know about Peace Corps. Um, we really want Peace Corps to reflect the diversity of America and for people from, from all walks of life to have that opportunity. Um, it is such an incredibly transformative experience and the depth and breadth of that experience and bringing that home to the U.S. Um, is just so critically important. And it really, you know, I, I can say for myself, um, changed the trajectory of, of my life and getting out there and telling those stories um, with that ethical storytelling uh, you know, toolkit um, so that we can be out there in a way that is effective, it's ethical, it's, it's respectful. Um, please get your hands on that toolkit. We're hoping it will come out in late February. And book a time to speak at your school, your church, your gym, your book club, um, your library, and, and just tell people about Peace Corps. Tell people about the country where you served and um, let people know about the richness of that experience and culture. Um, your dedication to lifelong service is really contagious. And I can tell you, I've, I've spoken to so many volunteers. And when you talk to them about what inspired them to do Peace Corps, almost to a T, it was one person. It was one teacher who told them about Peace Corps, one relative, one friend. Um, who did it, and they were just so intrigued uh, and started looking into it. So all of the all of that outreach really matters, and um, we would love you know to have you out there uh, sharing that experience with others. And also, we we want to hear from you. We want to hear your ideas, your suggestions for improvements, for partnership opportunities. These kind of event invitations are are terrific. Um, always happy to to share the beauty of Peace Corps. It is a place of incredible passion and and commitment. And it's really just such an honor to be part of it and want to share that with as many people as we can. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to both Glenn and Carol for coming here today and sharing their visions for the future. For me, it's been a, a pleasure and an honor. I'd also like to thank uh, Linda Calhoun, and Norma Walden for their behind-the-scenes help. And we also thank our audiences for joining us today and watching the recording. And now, this meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California, commemorating its 118th year of enlightened discussion, is adjourned. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support.